reality. Like Paul says, it's stranger than fiction. You couldn't you couldn't make a movie or write a book so weird as the truth that we've seen. But today here we're going to talk about this morning. The, I was in my devotions on Thursday. I think it was Thursday. And the Lord had showed me something that I thought was would be a blessing. And by the way, God showed me through the scriptures. He didn't show me through some vision or some something else like that or God showed me through the scriptures, because I asked God to show me through the scriptures. Isn't that something? When you ask God to show you through the scriptures, he, he actually does. He shows you through the scriptures something. He didn't show me a, a vision in my mind of something strange and all these other things that I should follow, but he showed me through the Bible, through his word. That's how God's spirit works. That's how he teaches us. That's how he guides us, is through the scriptures, right? So... It is important to know that you have them first, though. So that that is important, and you actually believe them. That helps too. It helps when it's your own, when it's your final authority for everything. Then you're not looking around for anything else. You don't have to. You got it right here. Then guess what? When you respect God's word, God's going to teach you something. He's going to show you. He's going to guide you. Why? Because you have respect and you fear, right? You fear. You have reverence for His word. God's people need reverence for His word. Amen. For His words, we need to have that and. Always keep that. Amen. Matthew chapter 26, verse number 12. We're going to talk about, uh, I titled this Christ Memorial for Woman's True Work. And I, what we see in this account is a very good example and some some lessons that uh, for for ladies, obviously for us too as men, but there's some good lessons for ladies here to understand about ministry, about work, about home, about their place that God has for them. And the blessedness of that place, and the and and how Christ honors that, how Christ honored this woman, and how this woman didn't come out of the place of subjection of a woman to do what she did, and God honored her and blessed her, and more so than you hear the loudmouth, stubborn Jezebel religious women that are in the pulpits today that are against God. They are standing. They are false prophets, and they are preaching, holding offices that they don't have any biblical authority to hold in doing things that they have no biblical authority to do. But this woman is blessed because of her obedience to Christ and her her godly subjection. So we're going to look at some of those things here today, and I thought they'd be a help and a blessing to you and and help you to understand further just some simple illustrations that I believe are here. Matthew 26, 12, For in that she hath poured this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached, in the whole world, there shall also this, that this woman hath done, be told for memorial of her. I thought that was pretty powerful, don't you? So God in the flesh is saying that what this woman has done, wherever the gospel is preached, this gospel is preached, what this woman did will be recorded, it'll be memorialized, it'll be remembered right? God remembered it. I think that's, I think that's powerful, don't you? That God, and I think we ought to know exactly what she did and look at that and say, well, man, if it's important enough for Jesus to say that wherever this gospel is preached, this is a memorial for her, for her, what she has done, right? As an example of woman and as an example, I think it's powerful. But notice some things here. We're going to back up to verse 9. For this ointment might have been sold for much, they said. Well, let's back up. Excuse me. Let's back up to verse 7. There came unto him a woman having an alabaster box of very precious ointment and poured it on his head as he sat at meat. But when the disciples saw it, they had indignation. 
Remember that word. That's going to be important later. They had indignation, saying, to what purpose is this waste? They called service to Jesus a waste. Boy, our heart, we got to be careful our hearts don't get hardened, right? Because these are the Lord's disciples. These aren't lost, wicked men. These are, this is, this is, so it's, it's something to pause and to think about that, you know, you and I, we, there are things we have to learn. We haven't arrived. We learn things as we go and we learn to appreciate things more as we go. And Jesus is teaching them a valuable lesson here. To what purpose is this waste? For this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. So they use that, you know, it's a lot like people say, you know, I had somebody come on the, 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 the thread one day on one of my videos and say, well, you know, you don't, you don't need to go to Europe and you don't need to do this and you don't need money for this. And there's people that are without this and they're without that. Yeah, they're without the gospel too. But what did, what did Jesus say? When Jesus understood it, he said unto them, why trouble ye the woman? For she hath wrought a good work upon me. For ye have the poor always with you. Well, you're always going to have poor with you. Until Jesus comes back, that's always going to be the case. For she, he says, for ye have the poor always with you, but me ye have not always. For in that she hath poured this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this, that this woman hath done, be told for memorial of her. This made Judas so mad. Man, he went out to the chief priest, man. He was ready to go. Made him so mad. Now, he wanted the money because he held the bag, and that's what was important to him. He was a covetous man. You know, it was important to him that the money was important to him. You'll notice the money wasn't important to Jesus. It wasn't important to, you know, in that sense, for that right, like he wasn't covetous. Right? Or the lady, she was willing to give it all for Christ, right? That was what was important for her. Let's pray. Father, please help us understand this. Thank you for the lessons that are here. We thank you for all that you do in Jesus' name. Amen. In this story, we find many fascinating things. We find the true work of a woman, though, here. And we may well marvel at what Jesus says here of the woman. If you're not careful, you'll pass over these accounts of things, and you'll miss the great lessons that are here, because there's some very valuable ones. The first, the first one we want to look at is the accounts listed in the Scripture. There's, there are some uh, differences of speculation and things, because there's more than one of account of an alabaster box of ointment that is, that is poured out. One is poured out, one is on the feet, one is on the head, and there's, there's differences there that people have. Uh, we're not going to like wade into the waters of the differences there, but we are going to list them, because guess what? The lessons are exactly the same. They don't change. Whatever aspect this is, whether it be two counts or one or whatever the case may be, it doesn't change the teaching and it doesn't change the principles that are there. It's still that he said, this is a memorial. This is something for this woman. And it'll be remembered as as the gospel is preached. So first, let me say there is that speculation that is there. The reason being the same lesson is taught in each account. The same teaching is taught. In Mark chapter 14, turn there. We'll look at that account. We'll look at all of them quickly and go through those verses and try to do some comparisons, a little bit of that, and just see the principles that are there. Mark chapter 14, and be, verse number 3, And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious, and she broke the box and poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves. Some of them had it outwardly. Others of them had indignation within themselves, right? 
They had a problem with that. Then they would voice it and they said, why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. So some, we ought to realize that sometimes what man doesn't like that you do for God and they murmur against it, God sees it and has a way different yeah, understanding of it. Right. Amen? God, God looks at it and says, well, you know what? Man may not understand what you're doing or even your brethren don't. Some, that's like a pastor. Sometimes he's just got to do right no matter who understands it. Right? You just got to keep, and you are like that too in your life, but sometimes you just have to do right and do what God tells you to do from the scriptures and just continue on when people don't understand the reasoning of why you're doing some things and the way you're doing it, right? We just have to obey the Lord. We just keep going. If we know that we're following the scriptures, then we are, we're, on, we're on firm ground. Amen. And there were, okay, so, for it might have been sold for 300 pence, he said, and Jesus said, let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. For you have the poor with you always, and whensoever you will, you will, you may do them good. But me you have not always. Jesus said in his bodily, you know, later on he says, Paul says, now know we no man after the flesh. You know, we knew Christ after the flesh, but now know we know man after the flesh. That relationship changed because when Jesus rose from the dead, what did he say? Touch me not, for I have not yet ascended unto my Father. Then it was like, don't touch me. Before it was an anointing for the burial, and then afterwards it was like he told her not to. Amen? That's interesting, isn't it? How that is. That's why you study line upon line, right? Amen. And look at that. She hath done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the bearing. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. And Luke ten forty four. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house, and thou gavest me no water for my feet. But she hath washed my feet with tears, and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman since the time I came in hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. Whew. That's very powerful, isn't it? You know, Brother Paul was talking about that last night. You know, Jesus has power to forgive sins, right? Only God can forgive sins, right? Well, that's why they put Jesus to death, because he made himself the Son of God, right? He made himself God. That's what they said. You're making yourself equal to God, so we're going to put you to death for that. But Jesus said that the Son hath man hath power on earth to forgive sins. Amen. That's what he said, isn't it? He has power on earth to forgive sins. And then you can understand what he meant by that very plainly. See, remember, he didn't speak clearly sometimes to those people. Later on, after he rose from the dead, his disciples understood a lot more what he said. Well, why? Because he breathed on them and said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. They started there. He opened up their understanding. Remember, he, he began to expound to them all the things that were written of him in Moses and the law and the prophets. And he just expounded it all. Boy, that was a lot of preaching. <laughs> Concerning him, he said. What was the reference? Uh, Luke. Yep, Luke chapter 10. I believe that's right. I, is it Luke 730? I probably messed it up. Yeah. Yeah, you'll, you'll find it, though. I'm sorry. I don't know how I did that, but it happens. 
And he turned to the woman and he said that. So anyway, so my head with oil thou dost not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. Now turn to John chapter 11. And then you see what he says here, John chapter 11, verse number two. It was that Mary, which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Now go to John chapter 12 and verse number three. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard very costly and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bear that was put therein. You know, do you find it, bear that, bear what was put therein? Do you find it interesting that here is Judas and he's rebuking Christ. Yeah. He's rebuking God. No fear. No fear of God before his eyes. Right? Then said Jesus, let her alone against the day of my bearing as she kept this. For the poor always you have with you, but me you have not always. All right, so we see those accounts there. Next, number two, we see the woman speaks not a word. I think it's important to understand that the woman never said anything. In all the accounts, she doesn't really speak. She doesn't say a whole lot, does she? It's not her voice that God is using. It's not her voice that God is using. It's not, it's, it's not that that he's using uh, as a memorial or an illustration. I think that's important because that's, that coincides with everything in the way that God made a woman. It coincides with everything the way that God designed a woman and her service to him. Primarily, people, men don't, don't listen to what a woman says. They watch what she does. It's just the truth. In each account, the, woman is, the woman's work is plainly illustrated. But what we notice mostly is that the woman speaks not a word. The woman's role was never to lead in the service of the king, never to be the spokesperson with her mouth, but with her actions. This is, the, this is consistent with the role of a woman that has never changed. There's a time that women speak. There's a time that she must speak, but it's never the primary work of the woman. God does not primarily use a woman's speech to win the heart of her husband or to win others in that way or even her children. Yes, they'll, she'll teach and she'll do things, but primarily it's the way that she lives her life. That's how God designed it. See, there's a difference in the role of the sexes. And too many preachers have not made those distinctions and taught them. In fact, they've, they've actually fostered a, a feminism in their churches and taught opposite of that. And women have, women have lost their power because they leave the place that God has for them. They lose their glory and their power in that sense. 
Woman is never commanded to lift up her voice as a trumpet. She is never commanded to be bold and brassy with her words. She is never commanded to usurp authority over the man. Her preaching with words is not the primary way her lost husband is one to Christ. The consistent lesson throughout the scriptures is that woman's work works to follow her. Her works speak louder than her words. Primarily, if she, if she voices herself like a man and speaks bold and brassy like that, um, most men will tune her out. And there's an adverse effect. I'll tell you something. If you ask a man, and I don't mean one that's been effeminized by this world, but a normal man that understands even, when he hears a woman yell and, and holler and speak like that, it just annoys him. Like, he doesn't really listen to what they say. It, just, it, it either angers a man... Or it causes him to want to get as far away from them as he possibly can. Because that's not the design of a woman. That's not the way God designed her to be. Fact, it's the opposite of where the way God designed a woman. The strange woman is a loud and stubborn woman. And you think for your much, for your much speaking that you'll get your, your name. If you nag your husband or if you nag others like that, then you'll get your, your point across. No, you won't. You'll just needle and you'll make things worse. You do make things worse. Why? Because this is God's authority, the scriptures. And if you don't follow God's authority in the way that he told you to interact yourself with men and others in the ministry of a woman, then what you will do is fail and you'll be miserable. And you'll be, why? Because that's the way God designed it. You say, it doesn't make sense to me. How can my husband can do this and say this and be this way? It doesn't have to make sense to you. You have to obey what God said. That's what you have to do. It's, it doesn't have to make sense to you. It's the way God designed woman. It's the way he designed her. For, and by the way, it's the way that she is blessed and there's much success. Because she gets way farther by her proper and submissive attitude and spirit and shamefacedness with sobriety. It affects a man. I'm telling you, you might think, I'll get my point across by yelling. I'll get my point across by this. No, you really won't. Where you get your point across is when you don't say a whole lot at all, and you, you continue to do what's right. Though, though that weighs heavy on a man's heart, it affects him greatly. Greatly. You have no idea how much it affects a man when you do things the right way. They get, they, they, guilt comes over them very quickly when they're, when they're not behaving a correct way. Right. Very, but with your words, it, they're like barbs, and they just, when, when it comes to that like that, it just, it doesn't work. Most men are repulsed by loud women. Loud and stubborn women, even if they are right about what they are loud and stubborn about, are tuned out by men. God made it so woman's work will speak louder than her words and affect men, men greatly. Notice the same lesson is taught consistently through the scriptures of what the, the way this woman's actions were, her meek and her quiet spirit, and the way that she was. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. You will see the exact same example there. First Peter chapter three and verse number one. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word. You look at that. 
These are like specific instructions, right? You see that. They're not like specific. They are specific instructions. Sorry. <laughs> like, <laughs> you can hear too many weird people on the internet. But <laughs> Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may, without the word, be won by the conversation of the wives. That word conversation does not mean like, like me and you having a conversation. Like in that sense that we use it. What is it? It's the whole manner of their life. It's how your life speaks, your actions, your words too, all of that. But it's the, our conversation. Like the Bible says, our conversation is heaven. That includes our speech, but it includes our activities too, right? Everything that we have in this life is geared towards what? Going home to glory. It better be anyway. Amen. Better be. That's, that's the direction. Set your affections on things above. Amen. That's where they're supposed to be. So look what it says here. It says that they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. While they behold your chaste conversation, coupled with fear, that's a godly reverence for your husband. That's what that is. It's a godly reverence. A wife ought to have a godly reverence for her husband. She ought to revere him. That's, that's biblical. That's what God said. That's likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. While they behold, they're watching you. If you, want your, if you have a lost husband, if you want your husband to get saved, then they better be able to behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. Not you taking out the Bible, preaching to them, standing up to them, telling them when they're wrong, and telling them how much you're right about everything, and being bold and brassy. You ain't going to win your husband like that. You're just going to make him angry. You'll turn him off to it. He won't listen to it. Why? Because it's not God's way. But they might come here, and they may hear a sermon by me, and I'm thundering out, and I'm firing out, and they're like, wow, okay. That affected me. <laughs> Right? Why is that? Well, because that's God's way. Right. Do you see what I mean? That's, you say, but why can't I do the same thing? Because God said you couldn't. It doesn't work. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Well, they're watching you. The one thing you have to learn about a woman is that a man is watching them. While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, who's adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plating of the hair and of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel. None of us have any gold, so we don't have to worry about that. But, <laughs> but let it be the hidden man of the heart. The hidden man of the heart. Right? And, and some of you, I understand. By the way, do you understand this? What I'm reading to you is a matter of faith. It's a matter of faith because you must believe in your heart that God is well able to change your husband when you act in obedience to the Lord. You must believe God is you as a without faith. It is impossible to please God for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. See, it takes faith. You want sight. You want instant results. You want instant gratification for your obedience. And the gratification you should take is joy in the Lord because I, I have obeyed God. I have obeyed his word. We don't see it right away sometimes. 
but we still obey God. And that's the joy that you get. Not because everyone does what they're supposed to do all the time, but it's we've obeyed the Lord. And I can rejoice because I've been obedient. While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, they're watching you. Men watch women. They watch how they act. They watch their, uh, how they walk, how they talk. Their God made man, I'll get to that in a second, but God made man to watch women. He just did. And I'm not, that's not perverse. It's just they, they naturally attract your eye. They just do. And I'm not talking about a perverted way. I'm just saying women do. Like when a woman walks in a room, a man looks. They just do. That's how men are designed. God designed them that way. Now, if you do something sinful with those thoughts, then you, you're in sin, right? The man is in sin. But that's not, it's not a sin when you notice women. I mean, God made us to notice women. That's, that's, that's okay. That's like, so there, 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 men are made to see women and be like, okay, yeah, they're, they're definitely different than me, <laughs> right? They're, they're different than me. God made them different and thank God. And if you did, if it didn't, if you didn't have that in you as a man, I'm a little worried for you, but anyway, that's, cause that's, that's the way God made us. And that's not perverted either. Now, depravity can take it that way quickly, but it, that's not the way God intends it to be right? But let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. God says he watches the meek and quiet spirit and in his sight, it is of great price. And you and I have to have faith and believe that. You ladies have to have faith and believe that, that your meek and quiet spirit, that God is seeing that and that it's in the sight of God, it is of great price. God holds that very dear because it's obedience to him and he watches that and he blesses that. That's, that's what he blesses. He doesn't bless the loud and stubborn, but the meek and quiet. For after this manner in the old time of the holy women also who trusted in God, adorned themselves being in subjection of their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. She called him Lord. Why? She revered him. She, she, she respected him. She loved him, but she respected him. She had a godly respect for her husband. And you ought to check your heart, lady, and make sure you have a godly respect for your husband. That you have a godly fear for your husband and respect for him. You ought to have that. And if not, you ought, to, you ought to ask God to give it to you. Because that's obedience to the Lord, and we want to be obedient to God, don't we? Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as you do well and are not afraid with any amazement. You don't stumble at it. You don't, you're not, you don't marvel at it to the point of stumbling from obedience, right? And you become afraid to obey God. Some, sometimes, you know what? In your present, by the way, this goes for all of us, male or female. You know, when you don't see those instant results and in the things that you would like to see, at times you're, you, you question God and you, you're wondering if God's really going to fulfill his promises, if God's really going to take care of you, if God's really going to be there for you, if he's really going to meet your needs because you're not seeing it right away. Well, just remember every promise that God gives to his children, he will fulfill, he will do, right? And you must trust God. You must believe that being a godly, submissive wife, 
Being that godly, submissive wife and not a loud and stubborn woman, one with a meek and a quiet spirit, you must believe that God will bless that and honor that. You say, yeah, but my husband, if he doesn't do right, then, then it doesn't make anything null and void. You don't know what God's doing. You have no idea what God is doing. You don't know. I know this, what the scriptures say God is doing. He's watching your godly subjection and he's blessing it. Amen. He's blessing it. Because he said he was. And it's, it's a, in, the, in the sight of God of great price. Just like the memorial to this woman that would be preached along with the gospel. I'm preaching it today, 2,000 years later. Is that, my, is that amazing? I'm preaching the memorial to this woman 2,000 years later. Isn't that something? That's the fulfillment of the promise of Christ. He said, wherever this gospel is preached, the memorial of this woman is going to go right along with it. Here it is. That's powerful, isn't it? Well, then you ought, if that comes true, then you ought to believe every promise of God that he has given you. And you ought to believe whatever you're struggling with and whatever trial you have like that, then God's going to fulfill his promise. We just need to be obedient to him and trust him. Amen? And God's going to bless us. That's powerful, isn't it? Amen. It is. It is not what a woman primarily says that reaches a man and impacts his heart, but it's what she does. God made woman for the man, not man for the woman. And because of that, he watches her. You don't know how that works sometimes. But guess what? Knowing that man watches woman, that should make you have a desire to obey the Lord and dress modestly. Because men do watch women. They watch their walk, their talk, their actions, and what they do. So that should, that should be like, I wouldn't want to cast a stumbling block before my brethren. So I'm going to make sure that I dress biblically and I dress you know, correctly and I dress modestly. right? Because I don't want to cause anyone to stumble. I don't want to cause anybody to lust. In a, now, lust is in the heart of a man, and he's guilty of it. I'm not, I'm not one of those preachers that go like, well, it's that woman's fault. No, it's our fault. We have a depraved nature, and it's fallen. It's your own wicked heart. That's the fault. Lust lies in the heart. Deep down in the depths of the wickedness of your heart, it lies. In a depraved and fallen nature, bent on hell. And if you give in to that lust, and if you're consumed by that lust, without Christ, it will consume you and be the deliverance to, for you into the pit of hell for all of eternity. It'll be a vehicle that leads you straight to hell. Lust will lead you to hell. If you're not a Christian and you don't have the Holy Ghost of God to check that in your heart and life, that lust will drag you straight to hell. It'll drag you to the most vile and disgusting acts that you could ever perform in your entire life. It'll consume you with pornography, fornication, wickedness, and vileness and take your soul to hell. It'll attach your soul to that to, to the wicked spirits and those seducing spirits and doctrines of devils and drag you down to the lake of fire for all of eternity. The sweetest girl in here could turn into the biggest and greatest and worst harlot ever. Amen. Could be the biggest whore this world's ever seen if she doesn't get saved by the grace of Almighty God and have her sins forgiven you. You don't think it'd be you? Boy, you better think again. Everybody look down at Charlie Manson and every other person that ever lived and they were a cute little baby that they loved and they held and someone loved that baby and looked at that baby and loved them and that baby turned into a cold-blooded murderer 
And that can be you too without the grace of Almighty God pulling you out of the depths of hell. Right now you're in danger of hell, fire, and damnation. If you don't repent and believe the gospel today, choose you this day whom you will serve. If the Lord be Christ, then follow him. Amen. You know, God, God made a woman's beauty. It, it's designed to attract her, to, to attract him. His eyes pick up on her like we said. We talked about that. I won't go any further into that, but you understand that. But it's not as much her words that he watches. It's her actions that moves his heart. If she be sinful, then she can take him with the flattering of her lips. For evil women, an evil woman's words can be used to seduce a man. Proverbs chapter 6, verse number 24 to 25. To keep thee from the evil woman, from the flattery of the tongue of the strange woman. Lust not after her beauty in thine heart. Where does lust start, friend? In the heart. Lust starts in the heart. It's not the strange woman that caused me to sin. No. It's my heart. It's not the strange woman. That doesn't give her a pass. She's still guilty. She's guilty for her own sin, but I'm guilty for mine. Right? That means I got to get right with God, right? I got to do that. As a lost person, you've got to get saved. So God will put that governor of the Holy Ghost inside of you to help you and to guide you and to keep you in the way that you should go. And he will keep you. Amen. He will preserve you. He will keep you. But without him, you'll be dragged to the depths of hell. Amen. Take heed lest you fall. Proverbs 7, 5, that they may keep thee from the strange woman. From the stranger which flatters with her words. With her much fair speech she caused him to yield. With the flattering of her lips she forced him. He goeth after her straightway as an ox goeth to the slaughter. Or as a fool to the correction of the stocks. The strange. We've, how many have we seen like that, right? We've watched it. I mean, it's like last night when I was preaching, I was like, at the last sermon I preached there, I was like, it's a biography of the drunkard. Well, this is the biography of the man that is, the silly young man that is seduced by the, by the strange woman. It's like their biography. I mean, you could see it. It just, it, they trap him and they take him and they drag him down. Now, there are also times that God does use a woman to deliver a message. He did it to the disciples when he rose from the dead. He said, go. He told her to go. We don't dispute that, God, that the, the woman's words can be used for good or evil or that God is well able to use a woman's words. But the main point is that God uses the woman's works. It's consistent throughout Scripture that they are to be the silent one that is watched, and they look, and their, and their, their actions speak volumes. They do. Lady, your actions will speak volumes to who you serve. You can tell me all day you love God, but if your actions show the opposite, if your actions don't show a godly, submissive spirit, a humble spirit before God or any of those things, if your actions don't show that, then what does that tell you? That tells, that tells you that you're not following God and you don't love God. It's like I told these young men last night that were out there. Man, this dude got in my face and he was mad. He was yelling at me, and he ain't no bigger than a little popcorn fart anyway. But he, he, stood, he, stood, he stood up in front of me, and I'm like, these guys think they scare me. I was like, I've ate cheeseburgers bigger than you. Really? Like, you're, you think I'm going to be scared of you? Like, I know the Holy Ghost protects us anyway, but I, I'm like, why, why? Like, really? Like, really? Like, you're like that big, and you're screaming in my face. I'm like, thanks, Skippy. That sounds cool. All right, what are you going to do there, bucko, huh? 
And he, so, so he gets in my face and he's, you know, he's like some kid and he's screaming at me about how, how, uh, you know, how he's a Christian. Look, I can love Jesus and I can go have fun and do all this stuff. I was like, no, you can't. No, you can't. And that's, and you're not a Christian because that's not a Christian. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. By the way, we're not talking about somebody who, a Christian who sins against God, has to get right, has fell into something as, you know, and transgressed against God and has to repent. We're, you know, full well, they know full well we're not talking about that. We're talking, I said, we're talking about people living in sin. You're living in it and you're loving it. And you're bragging about it. And that don't scare you. Even when it was lost, I, I, when I was lost, I wanted to hide it because I, I was ashamed of it. These guys are so brassy. They're like, no, I'm a Christian and I can love Jesus and blankety blank you, buddy. That's what he was saying. I'm like, yeah, he goes, how do you, I, he said, what do you do to live for Christ? I said, I, I follow the Lord's word. I follow the Bible. And I teach him, he goes, what do you do to raise your children? And I teach him the Bible. Oh, what do you do, throw the book at him? Well, yeah, kind of. <laughs> sort of, yeah. He said, well, what do you teach him? I said, I teach him to love their neighbor. Right? Well, there's a novel idea. He's like, oh, anybody can teach that. Well, I said, what do you expect me to teach children? Do you want a more complex answer? Do you think you can handle more complex answer? <laughs> oh, this kid was going irate. He was just like a rocket. I'm just, and I'm calm. I said, I'm not yelling at you. I'm calm. I'm just talking to you and you're yelling in my face, dropping F-bombs on me, cussing at me, mad at me. Cause you think that you can live in sin that grace may abound. That's what he thinks. I didn't say that to him, but that's what, but I said in other words I did, but, uh, but that's what he thinks that he can live in sin that grace may abound. And the Bible says, God forbid. God forbid, right? It's a false gospel. It's a lying gospel that somebody preached to them that they can go for. And, and, and by the way, the same couple, Jacob, at the same time, Jacob's talking to the girl, the, the, the lady that's with him. And she's like, well, I can, I can sleep with my boyfriend. We're monogamous. I could sleep with my boyfriend and still be a Christian. Well, you might fornicate and you might and have to repent, but that's not what you're talking about. Do you understand? That's not what they're talking about. They're saying they can live any old way and it, has, and it doesn't have any impact, that Christ has no impact on their life. Right. And then he was like, oh, what are you going to do? Just like throw the book. And he was disregarding the Bible. I said, you're not a Christian. You know how I know you're not a Christian? Because you don't care what this book says. Amen. You're not a Christian. If you don't love God's word, you don't, you're not a Christian. If you don't care what God's word says about your life, you're not a Christian. Amen. I don't know. You ain't gonna, you ain't fooling us right. and you sure ain't fooling God, Amen. but you ain't fooling us. We know that God's people tremble at his word. Yeah. So when you don't care about the Bible and he didn't, he, I mean, he's like, what do you do to show this book at me? And he's discount everything I'm saying from the Bible. He's discounted. I was like, well, you ain't saved. No Christian discounts that like that. No Christian speaks like that. If you're a backslidden Christian and you're out there and we start preaching to you, you get scared. You can see it on their face. They, how many times have we ran across people like that? They're like, we're saved. Man, I, I, I shouldn't be drinking like this. 
They look at us and tell us that. I shouldn't be drinking like this. I shouldn't do that. It's like, you're right. You shouldn't be. And we show them, yeah, you're right. And you're why we're here. Amen? That's right. Warn the righteous. That's right. Warn the wicked. You know, God said that along with the gospel, this woman's works would be preached. Do you see that? That God said that her works would preach. What she did was a memorial, and it would preach louder. It would preach loud, and it would be shared with everyone. Why? Because it, it's part of the way God made her, and she's being obedient to the way God made her. This lesson is consistent, right? In the scriptures all the way through. It's told for memorial of her. Not that she was a great preacher. Not that she became like a bold man and preached. Not that she led men. But that she was devoted to Christ. That she left, not that she left the place of a godly subjected woman, but that she was a servant. Do you understand that? Woman, your words will speak louder when you're a servant. When you're a servant, your actions speak loud. People pay attention to that. When you're a servant. Yeah, but I want things done this, and I want to see this in my husband, and I want to see that in my husband, and I want to see this, and I want to see... Yeah, I understand all that. But you won't get it that way. See, in your reasoning, you'll get it the way, if you respond a certain way, if if you're bold, if you're brassy like that, if you do that, you're going to have an impact. God says the complete opposite. You ought to be known as a servant in the capacity that God has called you to be one. Let's look at the nature of this work. Number three, the woman exercised complete self-denial. When we look at the memorial of her life, the one thing we notice is self-denial. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians eleven fourteen, Doth not even nature itself teach you that if a man have a long hair, it is a shame unto him? But if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given her for a covering. Do you know that glory, that hair was the glory of a woman? And she took her glory and she wiped Christ's feet with it. I want you to think about that. That hair was given to her for, and it's glorious for a woman, right? It is a glory to her. But if a woman have long hair, it is a glory for her. So she took the glory of God that he gave her, right, as an adornment, her hair, and she took it and she wiped his feet with it. That's self-denial. It's humility, too, which we'll talk about. But it's self-denial. The glory of the woman was her hair. This is the very practice of self-denial for this woman, in that she put Christ before her looks. This is a unique way of a woman in service to Jesus. Right? That, she put, that, that her looks were not as important as her service to God, as, her, as the glory of God. She took the glory that God had given her and she submitted herself and she humbled herself. Now, as a man, I confess to you, it's hard for me to completely relate to this because I'm not a woman. And this is uniquely uh, a unique relationship that a woman has to, with, with the Lord. It really is in that sense. It is unique, the way that God made woman and, and, and the way that she is and the way that she serves and the unique challenges that a woman has By the way, that's why the elder women are to teach the younger women, because they are women. (laughs) And there are aspects of the Christian life that as a husband, 
I can teach, and as a pastor, I can teach you many things, but I haven't experienced some of those things. And that's why godly women that have loved their husbands that have been faithful to God are the greatest teachers that a woman can have. Do you understand that? Because that's ordained by God. That's the way God intended it to be. I'm not saying it supersedes your husband. It doesn't. But there's things that your husband cannot relate to as a woman because he's not a woman. He can't relate to it. He, He just can't. It doesn't like it won't click for him. It doesn't have that same impact. That's why God made, that's why you as husbands too should not discount the, the ministry of an older woman in the church either. There, there are godly older women that could have conversations with some of you younger ladies and help you with some things just out of the way God designed them to be a blessing, to teach and to help you to grow along the way that your husband really, he doesn't have a point of reference to that. He can quote the scriptures to you, can teach you that, but he's never lived it. He's never experienced it. And if, by the way, if you're a young lady and you disregard that, you're disregarding uh, the wisdom that God has provided for you, and you ought not do that. There, by the way, there are women that have been married here for a good many years, and there's a reason they're still married. Right? There's a reason they're still married. You ought to find out why. <laughs> Right? And happily married, by the way. Loving the Lord and loving their husbands. Find out why. That'd be a good thing. Like, I wonder why. Sometimes some ladies gravitate more towards men and they don't like instruction from women. Um, Well, I get that primarily your husband should teach you, but I don't think you should ever discount what God says in the church is an important ministry, and that's the elder women teaching the younger women. That's an important ministry. I'm telling you, it is, and I plan on, by the grace of God, doing my best to fully develop that in this church. I mean that, because we have young families that are coming up, and they need that. They, They need that. That's why God put it there. If you don't think you need it, then what you're saying is, well, I don't need what God's provided. Right? So we got to be careful. We got to be careful to receive that, to learn that from them and and, and allow God to use that. Your flesh won't like it, though, because you do want everybody to think you know everything. It's like pretty common. It's called pride, but you can file it there, but that's where it is anyway. But it is the way that God intended this woman when you see it. It is the way God intended her to be. That she put Christ first. And that this devotion and love was shown to Christ himself because he is God manifest in the flesh. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. That's a disciple. Well, this is the way that a woman is a disciple uniquely designed for her. She does it the way that God intends it, self-denial. That's her way to deny self. I want you to notice also the humility and modesty that she performed it in. There's great humility in this woman. God sees humility and he honors it. When you're humble and you really do admit that you don't know what you're doing, God will bless you. By the way, I've never had it before that I cried out to God and said, God, I don't know what I'm doing. I need your help. I don't, I don't have a clue what I'm going to do. 
I don't know what I'm doing, and I don't have a clue what I'm going to do, and I really need you to help me. I've never had God deny that. But you know something? If you walk around and you do act like you know everything and you don't need any help, if you walk around and act that way, guess what? You won't get any. Because <laughs> God does what? Resist the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. He always, God, I, I like, I heard a sermon preached one time by this old preacher, and I don't remember who it was, but it was years ago. God is attracted to weakness, is what the title of the sermon was. And he said, my God is attracted to weakness. See, Spurgeon said it too, that God is full of all power and strength. There's no weakness in God. So when he sees weakness and his children cry out to him in weakness, he automatically takes strength and gives it to them. Right? He gives it to them. That's what he does. He strengthens his children. Amen. It's a good promise, isn't it? Because God is attracted to weakness. When you confess your weakness before him, he'll give you strong. Uh, he'll give you strength. That's what Paul said. He said he learned that in weakness he was made strong. Man, I've learned that. God showed me that. I should say I'm learning that. God showed me that whenever I'm weak and frazzled and, and think that all, everything is turned upside down, everything else, God says, okay, good, because in my weakness, you're made strong. You know, because you, you'll be strong. God will make you strong in your weakness. He'll give you his strength, not yours. If you've got too much of yours and you're big in your own eyes, you won't get any of his. You don't need any. When you humble yourself and you confess to God, I don't have any. He'll strengthen you. You notice that not a word was spoken by her. Her actions were the ones that spoke louder than her words. Shamefacedness with sobriety was shown. And it preached louder than any words she could ever muster up to say. Luke 7, 44, And he turned to the woman and he said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she hath washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. So she wiped the glory of her body, her hair, on the feet of Jesus. Total subjection to Christ. That spoke loudly. You know, we talked about that in like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety. That's what she had. She had shamefacedness and sobriety. but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. Does your life profess godliness? But which becometh women professing godliness with good works? Let the women learn in silence with all subjection, but I suffer not a woman to teach nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. For Adam was first formed, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith, in charity, in holiness with sobriety, holiness, with sobriety. This woman was constantly, she was modest, she was humble. She walked in humility. You ought to walk in humility towards the Lord. Her works preach the gospel, and so it is with woman primarily, that she and her works will preach louder. Two, while they behold your chaste conversation, or that verse says, uh, 2 Timothy, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, remember again, while they behold, God's way is for man to look on woman's walk. You know how many godly women have won their husbands to Christ by their faithfulness? 
not by how loud and stubborn they were, not how angry they were, not how loud they spoke, not how they stood up for themselves and made sure you knew exactly how they felt. Sometimes you shouldn't tell people how you feel. By the way, most of the time you shouldn't tell people how you feel. Right. Most of the time you should just take it to God and tell him how you feel. You should, you should be very careful about the words that you say to people like that, especially a lady. You should be very careful about sharing how you feel because that changes frequently. And you ought to be very careful about how you say that because some of those things that you say to a man, it has a lasting effect on him, believe it or not. When you, when you, when you, a, man, a man can be shaken up sometimes by things his wife says to him like that when a spur-of-the-moment thing when they're going through something it can, and they say something and they blurt something out, they can be shaken. It can shake a man up because that woman, now that fleeting thought primarily may be gone and it may never come back. But to that man, it sticks in his mind. He remembers it years later. Well, I remember her saying that. Maybe she's just going to do that. That's, they remember it. So that's why you have to be careful when you say things like that. God's way is for man to behold that, behold a woman. You will not have the desired outcome by speaking loudly, as we said before. This woman's work was a memorial because she walked in humility. She denied herself. She put Christ first in her life and in her devotion. Let me ask you something, lady. Are you doing that? In your devotion, are you putting Christ first? In your life, are you submitted to the Lord? with that meek and quiet spirit, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit. She could never speak loud enough to be as loud as Christ spoke of her. You realize that? This is a memorial. That woman could never have said anything to impact the world as Christ's words were about her. And by the way, with the Proverbs 31 woman, her children and her husband speak of her in the gates. You understand that? They're the ones that speak of her. It's not her speaking loudly and telling everybody how good she is and how she's done everything right and all this and that. No, it's her husband and her, and her children that speak volumes. You know, they're, they're, the way that that husband and children are, they, it speaks volumes. The way she has cared for them and done right by them, that speaks volumes about her and who she is. See, in, in the, the Proverbs 31 woman, it speaks primarily of her works, doesn't it? Go through there and look at it. It talks about her works and what she does, not what she says to everybody, not the fact that she's uh, trying to take charge, not the fact that she's leading anything. No, it's the fact that she's a servant and she's a very good one. Her family has everything that they need that's taken care of from a homemaker's position. All those things are taken care of. The children are clothed. Everything is done right. She's keeping order in the home in that sense. And all those things are happening. And her works are noticed. It's not her words in the gate. She's not in the gates of the city making her voice known. He is. See? That's how God intended it to be. And that's how woman is greatly blessed. Jesus spoke for her. I think it's important to note that. She never defended herself. Jesus defended her. Lady, if you shut your mouth, God will defend you. If you open it, you're defending yourself. I'm not saying you need to be a whipping post for anybody. You know what? I, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that many times you feel the need 
to say something, right? And you really don't need to. What you really do is need to let the Lord do it. Don't you believe God can do it? Do you believe God can straighten out your husband without you? <laughs> no, you probably don't. Well, I, I think I need to do it. I'll just tell him where he's wrong and I'll be the one to do it. Why? Because you don't think God can do it? Oh, let me tell you something. Trust me. God can do a way better job than you can ever do. It's like people saying, oh, I'm going to straighten out that pastor. Oh, don't worry. God can do a way better job than you can do. Right? right? <laughs> He'll do a way better job than you. That's the same example here. Jesus spoke for her. Do you know, the lady, that if you keep your godly place of subjection and modesty and that meek and quiet spirit that Jesus will speak for you, that he'll defend you, that God will use your good works to speak louder than your words could ever do? It, it's called faith. It's called believing God that God is able to do what you would love to see done. And what needs to be done? All right. Notice how Satan and others raged against the woman's true work. I'll speed this along here. But remember, you have to believe this by faith. You have to trust God by faith that Christ will take up your cause, that you're determined to have a meek and quiet spirit. But notice how Jesus spoke for her in her defense when a man accused her and mistreated her. But when his disciples saw it, they had indignation, saying, To what purpose is this waste? For this ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. And when Jesus understood it, he said unto them, Why trouble ye the woman? For she hath wrought a good work upon me. See, it's Jesus that speaks up. And, but do you notice the indignation that they had for the woman's true work? By the way, in this world today, I'm convinced that nothing is hated more than a woman's true work. I, I, I don't think anything is warred against more than the woman's true work. I don't. I think it's a battle. I think, lady, listen to me. Wife, listen to me. Mother, listen to me. You don't realize the spiritual battle that you are in to raise these children for the Lord. You don't understand it. You don't understand that there's an entire world of devils out there that are against you raising your children. So every feeling and thought and fear and everything you have in your mind, you just think it comes from you. No, you don't understand. You're in a spiritual war just like your husband is. And you have to wear your armor just like your husband does. Because you have a war just like his. Only, I, I mean that in the sense of it's a spiritual war. I, the, the war is not the same. He goes out and fights out there. You stay in the home and you fight there. You are defending the home front. Do you understand that? But I don't always feel like it. Duh! You think your husband does? Come on. Right. You have fears, you have doubts, you have discouragements, you have depressions, you have, you have thoughts that go through your head of wanting to give up and quit, and you think they're all yours, and you don't realize that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. What, do you think you're exempt from the war, lady, because you're in your home? No, that's the real battlefield. Because if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? You're in a war greater than you realize. If you understood it, you would pray more. 
If you understood it, you would, you would study the scriptures more. You would be in tune with what God wants you to do, and you would, be, you would have some godly fear. You'd be like, you know what? The devil's after my children. And this world hates me raising my kids for Christ. And by the way, it ain't even just the world. The, some of the brothers in Christ out there that you're going to encounter, they're going to hate it too. Right. It says here that these disciples had indignation towards her. For woman's true work. Well, what, what was she doing? She was just being a subjected woman. Loving God and putting Christ first. And what did they say? Well, I mean, no one understood what she was doing. No one understood the work that she had. No one cared about the work that she had at that point. But Jesus did. He looked at it. He cared. You know what? Sometimes you think that no one notices what you're doing and, 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 and you're overlooked. And you may very well be by earth, but not by heaven. Because God is watching every single thing that you are doing. And he's taking account for every single thing as a mother, what you are doing to raise your children. He is taking an account and he is watching everything that you do. Jesus, when Je it says here that when Jesus understood it, he said to them, why trouble you the woman? For she hath wrought a good work upon you. So what does this show you if in doing the work of the Lord? On me, I'm sorry, a good work upon me. Uh, in doing the work of the Lord, what it shows you is you're going to be troubled. You're not going to do the work of the Lord as a lady without trouble. You're going to have troubles in the mind, troubles in the flesh, troubles with your husband, troubles with your children. Troubles of devils attacking you. Troubles of family members that don't agree with the way you're raising your children. It's a war. And you're not exempt from it. The enemy seeks to get into the castle. He seeks to come into the castle and to defile the castle. He wants to defile your children. He wants to defile you. He wants to discourage you. So you give up. He wants you to be troubled. So you quit. So you don't want to work hard. So you want to give up. You don't want to fight. You want to keep fighting. And you don't even see it as a fight. Well, my husband, what he does, he goes out and preaches and does these things. And that's him really. That's, that's, that's real spiritual warfare. Yeah, for him it is. But every day living for Christ is his spiritual warfare. You think it's a greater war for him to go out and preach the gospel than it is to go to work every day? Oh, no. Like Paul said last night, he goes, this ain't no burden. I enjoy this. Going to work six days a week and dealing with a bunch of heathens that hate God every day and listen to them doing blaspheme Christ's name all the time and walk around like a bunch of dirty perverts. No, that's vexation of spirit. Right? And that's your everyday work, man. Well, mom, your everyday work is to battle on in the home. Your everyday work is to raise your children. And it's a war. And you can't forget that. You have to understand that. So when things come to your mind, you need to wash your mind with the word. You need to understand I'm in a war. Like this is like Satan wants every single one of my children, all of them, and wants to destroy them. And I am one of those barriers between them and him. And I will either put my armor on and fight, or I will lay it down and let him have my children. Yeah, That's it.
or let him have my marriage or let him destroy my marriage or let him affect my marriage and damage my marriage and affect my heart and cause me to be discontented with the plain path of duty that God has given me and, and look for something else that is more glamorous and glorious. Instead of taking my hair and wiping the feet of Jesus, I want the glory. Jesus said, I answered, said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat against thee to say unto thee. And he saith, Master, say on. So what did Christ do? He takes up her cause for her when they're raging against woman's true work. And by the way, this world is going to rage against woman's true work. Even some Christians are going to rage against woman's true work. They're not going to like it. The devils are going to rage against it. You're going to have, you're going to have battles and wars and fights to raise your children for Christ. You are going to have them. And you better understand that. You better prepare for that. You better get that into your mind and heart that the, that the war is on because Satan wants the soul of your children. And he plays dirty. That's just the truth. He plays very dirty. Like, like vicious. Viciously dirty. Amen. So you've got to be a watchman on the wall and you've got to be paying attention. Did you notice that Judas, who Satan entered into him, was angry because the woman served the Lord in a biblical way? That's an antichrist spirit. There'll be people that are angry. They'll look at your wife, and your wife will make them angry. They, they, they have disdain for your wife. They, I'm serious. Like They look at her like, like she's some third-class citizen of, 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 um, of the underworld, and that there's something wrong with her. And they hate her. I'm not kidding you. I'm dead serious. See, I don't pull any punches with all these fake Christians out there that act like everything's cool, that, 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 that like they, they don't get offended by anything, and they, you know, everything's... No, you just tell the truth about who they really are. That's who they are. They hate biblical womanhood. They hate it. They hate you having babies. They hate it. They hate it. They absolutely hate it. And I just tell them flat out, you're Antichrist. That's what you are. You little Margaret Sanger Antichrist devil is what you are. I, I, and, I, and, I, and yeah, I'm that guy, and that's why I'm never going to be popular anywhere like that. But, but that's okay, because I, just, I, I can't but do anything but speak plain speech to them and tell them, you're just wicked as hell. You hate children. You hate babies. And I wouldn't let you watch my dog, even though I don't like him that much. I still wouldn't. <laughs> I like him enough not to let you watch him. Sometimes. But that's the truth, right? Like, I wouldn't trust you with a dog. I wouldn't. And all these people, like, you, you want to cut the genitalia off of children. You think I trust you with I wouldn't even trust you with my dog for that. Although you could do that to me if you wanted, but he's already had that done. But, but, but that's, sorry. That's, that's what you do to animals. But not, not, not humans, but you're, you, if you're going to fix them, right? But... That's what they're doing to children. And then you're bad because you want to raise your children for Christ and your wife's in godly subjection and she loves the Lord and loves her family and wants to have children and raise them for the Lord. Right? And you, but, but I just want you to know, like, I'm not one of those polished preachers that will apologize for that. 
Like, I'm, I'm not that guy. I don't ever want to be that guy. Maybe when I get old, I'll get soft like that. I don't know, but I don't think so. Because I, I just, I don't want to ever be that guy. Like, I, I, I want to be like a thorn in their flesh when it comes to, and, and always remind them that what you believe is antichrist. And I do not apologize. I, I just, I want them to know that. But that's, that war is there. But you know what? God promises you for the, for the woman. He promises that that's a memorial for her. If she'll follow him, if she'll be obedient to him. You know, she was hated. She never said a word, but the disciples were troubled by her devotion. They couldn't understand her work. Jesus then explains her work. And she's hated by the Pharisees and those that saw her work. They saw her sin and her past and her former life and everything else. They didn't see the service of the king in her new life, though, did they? Jesus saw her godly subjection, her humility, and her service, and it was a memorial. The world, the flesh, and the devil will hate the true place of a woman. A godly, submissive woman is absolutely hated. Her role is despised. They have indignation. What does that mean? Anger or extreme anger mingled with contempt, disgust, or abhorrence. That's how they look at Christian women. They, they just do. And if you don't want to cut the genitalia off of children, that's how they look at you. That's like, you. oh, you're bad. Like, you're bad because you're not supporting abortion. You're bad. You're bad because you don't want to murder babies. Well, I just think you're a stupid witch. That's not very nice. You know what? It's a lot nicer than killing babies. Man, that, that's straight, that stuff, that's straight speech like that. Oh. That's just horrible. I mean, the audacity of you to just even lift up your voice and act like you have some masculinity too as well. That's, that's offensive to us. Good. I meant it to be. And I'm not apologizing for it. And I won't limp my wrist for you. And I won't become a woman for you to make you happy. Because I don't live to make you happy. I live to please the Lord. And if we do it right, They'll cut our heads off. Then they'll probably dig them back up and burn our bodies. Pretty bad. But that's okay. Don't worry about that thing that goes in the ground. God's going to fix all that. So marvel not. I, I know. i got to close. I've, I've went long here. But you're, I, I'm almost out of voice. And you're getting free overtime. So you should be rejoicing in that. What's that? Yeah, if that was right, that'd be great. <laughs> But marvel not when you see religious scribes, Pharisees, and Judas, and many others despise the work of a woman. And by the way, tempt her to do something else. That's why Satan tries to discourage a woman and her work. That's why the world mocks the work of a woman. Because really, feminism, that word has been stolen. Because we do believe in feminism. Biblical feminism. Amen. They just stole it. Right. We believe in feminine women. We believe in, we absolutely believe in that, right? That's right. We believe, yeah. Even the unborn ones. Amen. Like Joshua said the other night, you think, are you people, are you people that, I won't say everything he said, but <laughs> are you people that foolish that believe, I'll, I'll use a G-rated version of it, but are you people that foolish to believe, that, that we believe that just because a child comes through the birth canal, that that, that, that that automatically becomes a person after that? That's what makes it a person coming through that birth canal? That's what they believe. 
That's what they teach. Well, God already said when it's a person, didn't he? Life begins at conception. Amen. And why would you want to kill your blessings? Ugh, devilish, evil, right? All right, we're done. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for this memorial. We thank you for this woman, Lord, that you gave her that spirit to follow you, and she did, Lord, and you said for us to, that it would always be a memorial to her when this gospel is preached, and thank you that we were able to fulfill that, and Lord, that you did that, and Lord, we love the women of this church, and we're thankful for women that want to serve the Lord and be faithful to God and love their children, to love their husbands, to love their children and their grandchildren and be an example. And Lord, their work is so important. May they never forget this memorial of what a true woman's work is. May they remember it. May they model their lives after that and seek to please you in all things. Lord, bless the time we have today. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.